You're listening to Auto D coming at you live. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the Auto D show here on Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Networks, broadcasting from high above Camelback Road in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm your host, Otto Daniolo, and tonight my guest is Charles Rosne, a self-proclaimed Beatles superfan, as well as an actor, an author, producer, tour manager, promoter, and haunted house operator. So we're going to have plenty to talk about. Charles will be with me right after this first song, which happens to be from my last CD called A Muse Zing. And the song title is Fake It Till You Make It. Check it out here on the Auto D Show. Show I want you to know the video 
listening to Auto D coming at you live. And that was Fake It Till You Make It here on the Auto D Show, which is brought to you in part by my good friends at Fervor Records and also by the RecordingArtist.com, where I've been cutting a new record with a different band every week for the last couple of years live online. And if you've missed any of those over 80 live recording sessions, don't worry, you can still catch snippets on my reality-style TV show called The Recording Artist, which is available on Amazon Prime and also at TheRecordingArtist.com. And if you've got Roku TV, just download the free Roku TV channel called The Recording Artist. To learn more, go to TheRecordingArtist.com. And uh, without further ado, let me welcome to the show my guest for this evening, Charles Rosenay. Charles, how are you doing? I am doing great. Well, I love that song I just heard. It sounded like a cross between the Beatles and Train. I loved it. Yeah, that's funny you say that because it, actually I was thinking of Train and it was a, there was a commercial pitch and they said, we want a song that kind of feels like that, but I'm so Beatly. It's not a way to get away from that when I write. You know? <laughs> I loved it. They were my primary influence. Well, thanks a lot. Well, listen, I think um, you're, you're in, uh, living in Connecticut right now, correct? I am, yes. I'm born in the Bronx, but I've lived in Connecticut most of my life. Okay, you were born in the Bronx, but your passion for the Beatles gave me the impression that maybe you were born, uh, you know, across the pond. So I might as well jump in there and say, where did that get started? Uh, you probably think that because my company's name is Liverpool Productions. Mm-hmm. Um, we do the Liverpool tours to, live, you know, bring fans to London and Liverpool for 40 years. But it started. Wow. Uh, it, it started in my family uh, living room uh, in the Bronx. Uh, watching the Ed Sullivan show as a little kid, as a toddler. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of my first memory in life. And uh, that was it. I was hooked. Uh, I wanted to be a Beatle. I wanted to become a musician, didn't have musical talent. So I did everything else I possibly could to uh, be in the music field. I'm, I'm you know, a full-time party DJ. Mm-hmm. I MC weddings and all that stuff. Um, pr- produced Beatle festivals since I was in school. And um, that's just become such an important part of everything I do. Um, I, I, you can say my, a lot of my life revolves around the Beatles, yeah. You know, and isn't it funny because you think, I, I was reading some of the quotes uh, from your book uh, that you put out in February that I will talk about. But uh, some of the quotes were amazing how people really felt, I can't imagine what my life would have been like without the Beatles. Because yeah. they, they were such a big part of our lives growing up during that period. It, it's so hard to tell someone who didn't experience it or live through it or understand, you know, the musical, the social, every ramification, you know, as great as bands have been throughout the years, there's no musical force that's ever had the same impact on so many levels. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. And I just remember watching, too, uh, right around the time of the Ed Sullivan show, there was always the talk on the news about how immediately kids were running up and down the streets, you know, putting bangs in front of their face and wearing turtleneck sweaters, you know. It was just like changed everything overnight. I've recently found pictures of myself. I swear I'm in diapers. I'm, I'm that young. But a beetle wig on my head <laughs> and um, my grandma's ukulele. Uh-huh. And it's funny because in some, in some of the pictures, I'm holding it lefty, which probably meant it was a Paul song, and I was looking at him on the TV. And then if it was the other guys, I probably flipped it around. Mm-hmm. So so well to see these little tiny black and white, you know, photos, and, and it, it all comes back. It's just such great 
memories and, and you know, po- only positivity as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, listen, let's, let me ask you about those Beatle conventions. Uh, you mentioned you started them when you were in school. Tell me how you got that started and uh, how, it, how it's grown. I know you've done them all across the U.S. and even, uh, you know, in other countries like you did a show Overseas, in Tokyo, yeah. I think. Yeah. It started because I was this flunky, this, this um, runner at a theater, and the theater said, hey, is there something you think we should bring to the theater? And I'm thinking, sure, let's do a Beatles convention, <laughs> because that's what I wanted in Connecticut. They, were, they had them in Boston, mm-hmm. you know, they had started having them in New York, and I thought, well, I'd just seen Beatlemania, and I was, you know, all smitten all over again, and they said, sure, uh, you want to head it? And I go, yeah. They go, okay, you are Liverpool Productions, and we're going to present it here. Now, mind you, they had just done a tribute to Elvis in this theater, and it was one of the years that Connecticut was just dumped on, I want to say, eight feet of snow, and the whole wow. the whole run bombed. I mean, only one of maybe ten shows got to actually happen, and so they lost the fortune. They closed off the theater, and I learned in that short time not what to do, but not what not to do in, in, in entertainment. And so I moved into a little hotel. It was kind of successful. On the, you know, didn't make money, but everyone had a great time. Mm-hmm. And the bands were great, and the vendors were great, and I made a lot of friends. So that when I had it next year in a college, the, the attendance doubled. And it kept doubling to the point that I was starting to do shows with other people in other cities and by myself, uh, Boston, Denver, Seattle, Cleveland, mm-hmm. you know, wherever there was a need for a convention and um, people were interested in doing it, I had the wherewithal to have bands at my fingertips, the vendors at my t- special guests. And then I started going to England every summer, and I was making new friends. I was becoming friends with people like Pete Best and Cynthia Lennon and John Lennon's sister and all these people who were, you know, very, very important in the Beatles' history. So it was easy for me to bring them over then to America as my guests. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing led to another. You know, for 20 years I was publishing a magazine on the Beatles called Good Day Sunshine, and that was really successful. So um, all those things um, were feeding my uh, Beatles' inner frenzy, mm-hmm. but but also, they were all great side hustles because my DJ was my main gig. I was doing weddings and bar mitzvahs and all those school dances and all those things that the you know the lowest level of entertainer does the DJ. Sure. But I was also having these side events. But I got to tell you, when I was when I was doing the magazine Good Day Sunshine, right. and I loved it. I loved it. It came out every other month for nearly twenty years about 80 pages, packed with news and information, and my and my energy, if you could hear it over the mm-hmm. phone, I oh, have yeah. a lot of energy, and my personality, and I said, I would never do a book. I said, I've been doing a book six times a year for 20 years. <laughs> Ain't nothing on this planet's going to get me to do a book. Right. So what's the next question? <laughs> That's right. Why did you do the book? But it's it's cool how it came out. You know how you came about it. Tell me a little bit. Let's go ahead and talk about this book that came out. It came out because of COVID. You know, you horrible go. things happened because of COVID. But for me, you know, that was a good thing. It forced me at midnight when my when my parents when my parents are gone. I mean, when my kids and my wife went to sleep, and I'm on the treadmill trying to stay in shape, mm-hmm. and it's. And it's COVID, and we're isolating, and I'm thinking, I gotta, gotta, gotta do something. My creative juices are flowing. I'm going nuts. I'm not DJing. 
I'm not producing festivals. I'm not booking bands. I'm not taking tours. I'm not, 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 not nothing. So what do I do? I decide to put together a book called The Book of Top Ten Horror Lists, where 100 celebrities give me their top 10 favorite horror-themed lists. And people love the book. And, but everyone is saying to me, Charles, how dare you do a book and not do a Beatles book? <laughs> <laughs> and they said, you've got, you did all those interviews at conventions. You've been to England. You have a million stories to tell. And that's when I, it, it came back. And I said, well, I've been doing a Beatles book for 20 years. I said I never would do a Beatles book. And besides this horror book, it's got nine Beatle chapters. It's got nine monkey chapters. You know, a third of it is rock and rollers. No, no, that didn't do the trick. And you know what? It made sense. The next logical progression after the top ten, the book of top ten horror lists was the book of top ten Beatles lists. But I did one thing differently. I did, I stopped at 64. Because I thought that was the magic number, mm -hmm. you know. When I'm 64, uh, you, uh, the song, of course, was when the Beatles invaded America, the British invasion, 1964. So it was 64 different celebrities giving me their top 10 favorite lists, and as you know, the book was actually finished, went to bed, went to the printers on February 9th of this year which was, of course, the anniversary of the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Yep. So there was a little, a little symmetry, a little, you know, uh, all the stars fell in the right place at the right time. That's pretty cool. And how is the book done? book's phenomenal. You know, it's, I've, I've learned so much after doing the first book with an actual publisher and discovering that it, I still do all the work, I still do all the promotions, I still do, <laughs> obviously, all the interviews, right? Um, so I self-published um, my second book and the Beatles book. The Beatles book is actually my third book. And how is it done? It does great when I do personal appearances. Mm -hmm. If I do libraries, if I do festivals and conventions, if I go to, you know, Beatlemania-type concerts, if I'm there and I've got the book in front of me, and I've got the banner behind me, and someone walks by and I say, can I tell you about my book? If they stop and listen, they're usually going to buy it. So it does really, really great um, on the spot, whenever I'm, I'm there to sign it. Mm -hmm. And on, on Amazon, or you know, all those regular, where you say, wherever books are sold, right. it's Amazon. And that's where you know, I'll get dribbles and drabbles. Let's say someone's listening to the station, and they're enjoying your show, and they love this interview, and they go, oh, that Charles, he's hyper, he's a great guy, I want to see what his book is like. Well, they're not going to see me in a library or a convention, most likely. So they're going to go on uh, Amazon, and they're going to love the book because they're getting it uh, probably Amazon Prime and not paying the postage and getting a good deal. So however you get it, people love it. I haven't heard one person who came back to me and said, Charles, man, that was such a waste of time. Because every celebrity is doing a different spin on yeah. their list. Well, see, that's it what I think just, is fascinating. It wasn't, just, it, it wasn't just lists. They had to give me the reasons why. They had to mm -hmm. give me anecdotes. They had to tell me personal stories about the Beatles. And um, there was so much more information than you would ever believe could, could gleam from a top ten list book. Right. That sounds amazing. I mean, I love the concept of reaching out to all of these different characters and getting their take because yes. it also adds so much more personality to the storytelling instead of just some list of some informational book of charts, you know. Thank you. I so agree. And, and what, what the, I didn't really have a criteria 
for picking the people who are on it, but it it fell into place that a third of it are people with Beatles connections. They were either related to the Beatles, they were connected to the Beatles historically, um, in all those ways. Uh, Beatle associates. A third of it is rock and rollers who just, you know, um, are part of this DNA of ours of music, whether it was members of the Vanilla Fudge or Badfinger or, or, or Gary Puckett, you know, really mm-hmm. cool people. Yeah. And then uh, the other third was just celebrities, mm-hmm. just, you know, DJs and authors and, and uh, baseball Hall of Famers and actors and actresses that didn't necessarily have to do with the Beatles, weren't rock and roll, but, you know, still were celebrities and make an, of enough interest that they deserve to be in the book. Yeah, I think it's great. And so and rather than just run gloss right over that, let's go ahead and talk about a few of the people. Like, for example, I have a list in front of me. Yeah. And, and one who, who I'm unfamiliar with, but I think is a brilliant idea, is singer Frank Ifield, who was also a label mate of the Beatles on VJ Records. Yes. That's an know, interesting point of view I, right there. I am so proud of that one. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Your typical person who, who knows rock and roll, who knows pop culture, might not know that name. But Frank Ifield was... Uh, first of all, the Beatles loved him. He was one of the people that the Beatles, I think, idolized. Um, we know they loved Elvis and, and Buddy Holly and Little Richard, but there were all these other people who they really, really were big fans of. And one of those was this guy who had a song uh, called Remember Me or I'll Remember You. I forgot what his hit was. But no one has been in touch with him since. Now, what's his Beatles connection, aside from having a hit back in the 50s? Yes, you called it. He was on the same label as as the Beatles, which was VJ Records. Mm-hmm. And the Beatles were, of course, on Capitol. That was their main label, which was Parlophone in England. And, and um, the big thing about it was VJ had a handful of the Beatles songs, and they put out the album Introducing the Beatles, which mm-hmm. sold millions. But they thought, what other ways can we put this out? So they put out the Beatles versus the Four Seasons. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> one, one, right? One set was Beatles, one set was Four Seasons, because Four Seasons were in VJ. And then they put out the Jolly Watt, which was this Frank Field and the Beatles together on the same album. And it's, it's a rarity. I mean, it's a collector's item. But the fact that I was able to track them down, you know, I had gotten three rejections from a manager, from an agent, and from a representative of his. But somehow I, got, I found a friend, and the friend asked Frank himself, and Frank jumped all over it. And his, and his, his chapter is great. I bet. So that's one of the ones you don't think of. I don't think about when people say, hey, you know, who's the highlight of the book? And I don't know who comes to mind. Maybe Pete Best because he was a Beatle or, or Dick Cavett, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you picked on someone who I never mentioned but is a great addition to the book. Yeah, I think his angle would be uh, one of the most interesting uh, points of view. And then, and another one, too, is uh, to kind of flip it a little bit, is a guy who was hugely influenced by the Beatles, but then ends up working with Ringo as a producer, and that's Mark Hudson. So I bet Mark's is really a great cha- uh, great chapter as well. Mark, Mark is an interesting story, because of, uh, in that book, most everyone either emailed me their list or wrote it on a piece of paper, or, you know, got it to me, you know, one way or another without, without having a sit-down. Three people needed to recite it. One was Joey Mullen, uh, you know, the yeah. main guy who lives, who lives and breathes Badfinger and yep. carries on. I met Joey years name. ago, yeah. Yeah, and the other one was 
Tommy Chong mm-hmm. from Cheech and Chong, <laughs> yep. who, you know, just needed to talk and go into every possible tangent. And that was a trip in its own, uh, interviewing him. But Mark Hudson says, ah, Charlie, I'll do it for you. You know, he talks really funny and fast. And he's, he, I love him. He's hysterical. He's colorful. And he's a brilliant musician yeah. and, 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 as you know, songwriter and Grammy-winning composer. But um, he said, I'll do it when we sit down and have a coffee. Uh, Mark, I, I've been asking you for months and months. We were in Liverpool together. We're, we've been here together. We, we, we never have a chance to sit down. All right, next time, next time. Well, that next time came last winter. There was an event called Beatles on the Beach, and the special guests were Mark Hudson, myself, Mickey Dolans from the Monkees, mm-hmm. Chris O'Dell, you know, a, few, a handful of really cool guests. It was, it was a convention festival called Beatles on the Beach. And I said, Mark, this weekend, we're doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it. He goes, all right, all right, all right, all right. We're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go. This is how he talks. And we went to a Starbucks. And I said, all right, I only need five or ten minutes. Three hours later. Of course, of course. <laughs> He gave the greatest stories that I had to somehow whittle down to ten to a ten, you know, favorite list. But I, I I could have been a I could have been half the book with the great stories he told. Yeah, I bet that's. You know, I'm going to have to just read this because it's going to be fascinating. And having a relationship to that music your whole life growing up, I remember telling people, I said, "Look, the Beatles don't know me as a member of their family, but I got to tell you, I spent more time with the four of them than I did the rest of my brothers and sisters. So I feel like they are a big part of my life, a big part of my family. You know, wow, yeah, it's just an amazing, an amazing thing. You know, and you mentioned Chris O'Dell. Chris lives in Tucson out here. And I've been trying to get her on the podcast for a while, but every time we connect, she's leaving town. She's going to go do this. She's going to go do that. I will uh, make it happen for you. What a story. What a story, (laughs) too. Yeah, she's she's wonderful. And um, I had been asking her for a list for a while. And, yeah, I'll get to it, just like she's going to get to your show. You know, people, um, they they put things off, and they they lollygag, and eventually you either get them or you don't. Well, yeah, and for for people who don't know, Chris, she was really one of the, I don't know what her official name was, but she worked at Apple as a secretary and was around all of those guys for all those years. And, And so, again, a really interesting perspective where all the personalities play into the music, too, you know. No doubt, a Beatles insider, and close, so close with George Harrison, and really had a lot of insight. So I, that, I really wanted her, her list very badly. And when she was at the convention, I literally put the sheet in front of her. Right. <laughs> I helped her sell her books. I sat next to her and go, "Look, I will sell your books. I will push your books more than you can. I will collect the money and hand it to you. I need this list." And, and we. We had a great relationship, became fast friends, and yeah, she gave me the list there. That's pretty cool. And I think one other I just wanted to mention is a friend of mine who was on your list, and that was actor Larry Thomas. Actor Larry Thomas, the soap Nazi! <laughs> He's actually a singer. He's been in my studio uh, recording before when he comes to Phoenix. It's really funny. Oh, see, I did, that I didn't know. He's just such a great guy and so multi-talented. Yeah. That, you know, you hate to stereotype and, and pigeonhole someone by one role, but it's such an iconic role. Yeah. I asked, he, we were at a convention together called Chiller, Chiller Theater in New Jersey. And um, he was, you know, doing his signings, his autographs, his photos with people and all that. And I came up to him and gave him actually two, li- two lists. One, can you do a Beatles list for me? 
and not knowing if he's a Beatle fan or if he can even write. You know, when I when I hit up people, I don't know right. what's going to come from it. And I also gave him a horror list. And he looks at that. He looks up at me. He goes, I love it. I'm doing both of these. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, when he went to his room, he finished it. And the next day, I had both lists from him. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is yeah. pretty cool. Now you know you mentioned the horror list, and and your we I mentioned earlier that you have a, you run a haunted house. Um, yeah, I figured we don't need to jump right into horror, but what an what an interesting contrast. And I think it was on your um, Instagram uh, feed I was going through where I saw a picture of you. I think it's you as a very young boy playing with like some horror monsters, and there's a beetle picture on the wall. So it's kind of like you have you always been into horror as well. Uh, you can't make that up. The photo you're referencing is in is in my book, and it it summarizes my childhood. All all I needed on on that bed was a baseball or a Mets cap, and that would have been that it. Would have been I everything. grew up until I discovered girls. It was baseball, it was Beatles, and it was monsters. And that <laughs> photo I found it just before. I did the book. I was just going through photos to see if there's any shots of me as a kid with a with a Beatles wig or whatever. And the two photos that were just amazing, which validated <laughs> validated everything. One was, in fact, the shot of me with the Beatles um, wax figures that I somehow took when I was probably about five years old. My parents probably took me to a wax museum. And, you know, when you get those souvenir photos, mm -hmm. I didn't take souvenir photos with Clark Gable or, or Mickey Mantle. I wanted one with the Beatles. And so that I had found a few years ago, put on Facebook, and people go, Charles, you didn't have to justify that you were a Beatles fan from the beginning. We knew it. But the other photo that you mentioned is like, holy cow, I'm there with all my monster Aurora models, and you got your arms up in the air. You're, you're the being a monster, and, and on them, what's on the wall behind me? That's funny. A it's... poster of the Beatles. <laughs> you can't, you can't make this up. You can't Photoshop a better picture. No. I'm in my pajamas, and that's what I've got in my room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was really, really cute. So I, I get that both of these come from a, a long way back for you. Yeah. And so, um, before again, before we go all the way into the Halloween portion of the show, let's go back to uh, the Magical Mystery Tour. Or, yeah. or was it the Magical History Tour, which was something else? And were you involved in both? So I do the Magical History Tours to London and Liverpool okay. every summer, which is, it coincides with Beatle Week in Liverpool. But this was my 40th anniversary. That's wild. And we had 60 folks go with us, 60 fans, and they had the, gr the greatest, I don't want to say it's the greatest time in history, but it was such a landmark tour because it was my 40th anniversary. I really splurged, and we went inside Abbey Road Studios. Cool. And we recorded three songs as a group. As We were the choir. We had a Beatle band lay down the tracks. Oh, my gosh. Do the leads. And we came in and did Hey Jude, the Na Na Na's. Right. That's so we cool. did In Spite of All the Danger, one of the earliest, you know, Beatle Quarrymen songs where we did the oh, 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 and we completely sang all the lyrics to In My Life. And, I mean, that's memories that the people are going to forget, you know, go home with. They're going to live with that oh, yeah. their whole lives. And while you're doing it, in that moment, you're realizing this is where that was sung. This is where that record was made that changed your life. And now you're singing that song in that room. Right. Um, that's just crazy. That's just crazy. 
Yeah, oh. I've been doing the Beatle tours 40 years. I've been doing Dracula tours to Transylvania <laughs> 25 years. So there's, you know, that cross, it doesn't cross over, but my two lives have similar elements to it. Um, I mentioned that I published a magazine on the Beatles called Good Day Sunshine. That was 20 years of putting out a magazine. Well, for about 10 years, I was online with something called National Horror Happenings. So it was a different format. It was a different, uh, you know, concept. But I was still always, always doing the two things that, you know, I loved. And I always hoped that enough people had the same wacky, I don't say wacky, but they had the same loves that I did. And in most cases, that proved to be the case because, you know, whenever I would do a book, it's like, this is the kind of book that I would want to read, mm-hmm. the kind of book that I would hope that someone else would have done and that I would have enjoyed. Because I thought, I, don't, I thought everything was already done. I said, how can I ever do a book? It's all been done. Right. And, and sure enough, I'm, I'm so proud that this is so different than any other book and people love it so much. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Me too. Um, back again, one more time to Magical History Tour. I want yes. I want people who are listening to understand what the opportunity is for them. So, for example, is this a three day thing? Is it a three week thing? Is it, what's it going to cost? When do you start booking the next one? Is there a website? Kind of give me some of the pictures. Yeah, great, great, great. Yes. So the overview is it's ten days. Okay. We do three days London. We do all the regular sightseeing, you know, Big Ben and uh, Westminster Abbey, Buckingham, but all the stuff that people need to do if this is their one and only London trip. So mm-hmm. that's, I think that's, you know, a necessity. That's a prerequisite. We do all that. Well, then we also do every possible London site, the Hard Day's Night places, the Hell places, um, Abbey Road, um, um, Twickenham, just, you know, mm-hmm. on and on and on. And, of course, it culminates normally with Abbey Road or with the Apple office building and Apple offices on Savile Row, right. which is where they did the rooftop get back show. Right. And, and we do that all. And then when do you we get to go London, up on the roof? We don't go up on the roof. No, 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 no. <laughs> we take pictures in front of it. it, it it's funny you say that because one year, and I don't know how it happened, but a few of my tourists, you know, they'll, if, if they're tired by the end of the day, they'll back off and, you know, we'll go back to the hotel. We're going to eat. We're tired. We've got to go to the bathroom, whatever. And a few backed off, and they found a way onto the rooftop with a different shop that was in the back that was open in those days. is no longer open. And somehow got up there. That's funny. But no, we've never done it as a group. And there was always insurance and liabilities. And right. uh, we never had permission. Um, but then we leave London and we do, um, uh, uh, on the way, we route through Henley, Henley on the Thames, which is where George Harrison had his home, mm-hmm. Friar Park. Mm-hmm. So we visit the front and the gates of his home and all the places that he would frequent in his hometown. We, we see the, the movie theater that he financed. We go to the Angel Cafe where he drank. Um, across from that is the cemetery where um, Dusty, is it Dusty Springfield, I think, is oh, buried. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of amazing stuff in that area. And then we go to Liverpool, and people say, for a week? What could possibly go on in, in a week? Well, i got to tell you, <laughs> we have to sometimes pick and choose because on a given night there's a concert by uh, a Lennon tribute show, let's say, and that's a tribute to you. There's um, a... <laughs> 
uh, an event at the Philharmonic Hall, which is perhaps a classical event uh, related to the Beatles. And then there's the Best Fest over at the Casbah Club. So sometimes there's three different events. It's not a case of what can you fill in the in the seven days. It's a case of what are we leaving out because there's so much to do between visiting Penny Lane and going inside Strawberry Field and partying at the Cavern and going to the Casbah and mm-hmm. three different museums. There's the Beatles story, there's the Liverpool Beatles Museum, and there's the Liverpool Museum. I, I, I get so psyched about talking that I, I'm a mile a minute. But people who go on this trip can't believe how much is packed in because if they go on their own, yeah, they're going to go to the Cavern. They'll do a few things. But we go during Beetle Week, so there's already events that are going on, and that's included. What mm-hmm. else is included? Mm-hmm. We do flights from New York. That's included, or people can do a land package. We say that everything is included except your dinners and your souvenirs, because your admissions are paid for, your, um, your coach transportations are paid for, your hotels are paid for, and our, all the tour guides and everything. It's just... It's really the ultimate. If you're a Beatles fan, you can go see your local, you know, Beatles tribute band. They're great. Uh, you can even go to um, a convention. But nothing is as authentic and nothing is that bucket list as going to Liverpool. And go on your own. I'm not saying, you know, you've got to go with me. If you go with me, you're going to get into places that you wouldn't be able to get into otherwise. And we kind of, you know, make it easier for you. But people can go on their own. If they want to go with us, we, it's liverpooltours.com. Oh, I'm going with you. <laughs> yeah, I want you to go with me. We do it every August, okay. and we've already been taking bookings for uh, 2024. All right, it's well, the, I'll get online. It's the 60th, anniver- 60th anniversary of the British Invasion. Yeah. It's a really big year. That's going to be fun. It's going to be a yeah. lot of fun. No, oh, I've yeah. always wanted to go, and honestly, I have never been. I've never been to London. I've never been to Liverpool, and I've always wanted to go. So I guess uh, you, you make gotta, it easy. We gotta make this happen. Yeah, you make it real easy, so I think we can make that happen. In fact, if it's Beatle Week, maybe I can get a gig over there in the middle of the whole thing. That would really make it cool. So can I tell you something? Yeah, I guarantee that if you came on my trip, I would have you do a set at the Cavern Club, <laughs> at the Cavern Pub. And at the Liverpool Convention, yes. Cool, we'll do I, it. I'm giving you my word that I can make that happen. <laughs> awesome, that'd be fun. Well, you know what, then? There's no reason not to. So I'll get online tonight when we're done with the show, and I'll, we'll book our trip. So if anybody else wants to meet me, too, and hang out with uh, Charles and Otto on the trip, I'll be there, too. So <laughs> That's it's amazing. All your listeners and all your following can come, yep. and you can host their their participation. Yeah, it'd be cool. Wow. It'd be fun. Man, that's really, really awesome. And I know that uh, there's some, like you said, you hadn't written any other Beatle books, but you have been uh, involved in other Beatle books as as a reference for people. Yes. And I think a bunch of them, apparently. Oh, so many. Uh, You know, I've consulted on a bunch. I've edited a bunch. And then I've done a a ton of chapters. There's a Beatles bootleg Christmas book. There's a, a, a... Paul McCartney tour book, and yeah, I've I've given chapters throughout the years to many many books, and I, I'm honored. You know, if someone mm-hmm. calls me and wants my participation, I'm all over it. Uh, uh, Dana Clauser just put out a book on Beatle fans, and, and I was not only you know one of the um, people who contributed, but I hooked her up with. A lot of people who are in the book, too, yeah. Cool, cool. Well, this book that you did put out was called Celebrities, Actors, Athletes, Mods, and Rockers, the book of yes. top 10 Beatles lists. So I encourage everybody to take a look at that, hunt it down, and and, uh, and 
get take a read of that. And I want to pull one quote out because I think it was the funniest one that I, that I caught. And that was McKinsey Phillips quote. Oh, yes, I slept with Paul. <laughs> I got, oh, really? That's funny. <laughs> but, I uh, slept with Paul. Now, <laughs> if this was, now, if these were the days of the National Enquirer or the Examiner, right. that would have made headlines, and then you would have had to you know figure out what it was. Do you want to reveal how she slept with Paul, or should I do it? Go ahead. Well, when she was a little kid, Paul McCartney had fallen asleep on a hammock. And she just crawled into bed and cuddled with him and went into the hammock, not into bed, and fell asleep as an innocent child, and they slept together. So she's telling the truth. She slept with Paul. I know. I think that's funny. I just thought <laughs> that's so funny. the greatest story. Mackenzie Phillips, of course, from uh, One Day at a Time and the Mamas and the Papas and yeah. so many uh, pop culture uh, connections. Great to have her in the book. And yeah. that was one of those serendipitous scenarios where we were both guests at the same convention. Yeah, and uh, and she 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 loved the idea of being part of it and contributing to it. I was really excited to have her in the book. Yeah, that's cool. And I noticed on your press release for the um, for the book that uh, in the photographs that you also have a picture of uh, you with a couple with you with Pete Best back in the day and more recently, yeah. and yeah. another shot with you and Paul McCartney. So that's that was kind of cool. But um, me, me with Paul McCartney? Are you kidding? Or was it or was it you with a cutout of Paul McCartney? Yeah, it's me. It's me. <laughs> okay. was a, um, I was fortunate enough to meet him a number of times, and you know, putting a picture of me and Paul is a little self-serving, but it is and people, it isn't. It. it, it, it it authenticates the, the authenticates, point of view, yeah. you know. I mean, yes, it sure does. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's kind of like it, the thing I learned way back when in, in my business as a producer engineer is, I was working with this kid and he wouldn't listen to me. And then my first gold record came in the mail and I hung it on the wall that day. And he comes into my my studio again and and this time he's just staring at it and he listens to everything I said. And I'm like. I'm the same guy I was yesterday, but somehow <laughs> that little gold plaque told you to listen to me. And so I think in a weird way, things like that just authenticate. They just make you, people go, oh, oh, you're not making this stuff up. You're somebody, and you know, you're, you're, the story is real. You're connected. So it's yeah. valuable that way. Right. Know? Whether consciously or, or, or unconsciously or yeah. subconsciously, absolutely right. It does. It adds to um, that credibility, for lack of a better word. And, you know, people people like to share. You know, when I do my Beatle tours, I'll always grab the mic and I'll tell them my history and I'll yeah. tell them about meeting Paul and all that. And then I'm always thinking in the back of my head, am I... Am I bragging? Am I, I mean, right. am I, you know, is well, someone going to be jealous of that? And it's never, it's never the case. No, People, I think it's excitement. Everyone's excited to think, oh, you're kidding. You got to. That's great. You know, I feel yes, that way about yes. it. Yes. They, sh- you know. they, share, they share it and enjoy it. Vicar- yeah. you know, is vicariously the word? Yeah. Through me. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Now, how did you yeah. meet, how did you meet Pete? Was that when you were just doing your trips over to England? Pete Best I met um, in the early 80s, uh, probably on my first or second tour to Liverpool, and um, a few years, we, we became close. Uh, I invited him over to a convention, and it was the first time he was really a headlining special guest, and we became so, so close, and he was really great because he'd come in a few days earlier, and I'd drive him around and bring him you know, to the Howard Stern show, and it's, I, forget, I forgot who else, Soupy Sales, oh, yeah. um, you know, all the TV, two TV outlets, and he would really hammer. He would do, you know, a good half a week of promotions for me before an event. So, in fact, I brought him back 
back the following year. I mean, I, I, I couldn't have enough of him. And then when I went back to Liverpool a year or two later, um, his family had decided to reopen the Casbah to people who wanted a visit. And that was, you know, so historic because before the Cavern, that was their residency, was the Casbah Club. Mm-hmm. And it was owned by the Best family, Mona Best. Mm-hmm. There's pictures of me dancing with Mona Best and us having the greatest time. So a P- I always wanted to get into the book. I mean, that was my first go-to is if I have a Beatles book, I've got to get Pete Best involved. Right. And and his brother Rogue, who kind of manages him, for lack of a better word, or handles his you know, affairs, mm-hmm. said, oh yeah, Charles, we'll get it for you. And it was one of those um, Miss Odell's, you know, we'll get it, we'll get it, we'll get it, and you wait and wait and wait, <laughs> and it doesn't happen. Now, I had known Pete... 40 years, had <laughs> pictures of him, you know, from like every year, every different hairstyle, every different, you know, um, scenario where we were together at conventions and mm-hmm. all that. I couldn't put this book to bed without having Pete in it. Well, we were together at a convention uh, last November in Massachusetts, and he doesn't do many conventions. I think it was a friendship favor, and he was there with Rogue. And I gave them a little notebook. I handed them a pen, and I said, "I gotta have it. This convention weekend is not ending without it." And whilst I did that, I showed Pete a picture of um, his—not a picture, the actual book of horror list that had him in it. Because he gave me that instantly. He gave mm-hmm. me his top ten horror list instantly. That's cool. So there's a picture of me showing him his his chapter in the horror book which I then put that picture in the Beatles book. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. Those are, you know, I'm really proud. The pictures with Pete, the pictures with um, Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's a thousand words in those yeah. photos. Yeah, I hear you. All right, man. Well, I've got about another 20 minutes top. So let's get on to the new book you've got coming out, which takes us over to the horror side of things called True Ghost Stories of Connecticut. Um, yeah. How, was this boiling for years and years? You heard stories or did you go searching for this in no. content? No, my gosh, no. This came about really kind of serendipitously. I'll tell you what happened was um, my love of horror somehow gave birth to a love of the paranormal. I got involved with people mm-hmm. who were doing paranormal investigations, and because of my history of producing conventions, they knew my horror history, they knew my Beatles history, and they said, why don't we do a paranormal convention in Connecticut? There are none. And before they finished the sentence, I said yes. <laughs> we thought there would be maybe 200 people. Uh, this was after COVID was ending. We thought, all right, maybe we'll, maybe we'll uh, hit the lottery and we'll have 500 people. I know you won't believe we had two thousand people at this convention and i said i I, i'm I'm in love with the paranormal now (laughs) Um, but at the at that convention and through my paranormal investigations i was meeting people and they would talk on stage and they would give you know 10 20 uh of their stories of their paranormal experiences and there was always the one that you know you take your breath away like the oh my god one and i thought well you know there's no such book that has compiled an anthology of these great stories that people are telling some of them had their own books but it's an entire book most of them did it and i said would you write a chapter giving me that one 
wow moment, that one Mm -hmm. experience that blew your mind that I can share. There's plenty of what town do you live in, Otto? What city? I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Actually. All right, so Scottsdale, Arizona is like amazing. My friend Debbie Branning has written a ton of books on ghosts of Arizona. <laughs> and Arizona is a very haunted state, I must tell you. Um, but most of the books that are out there, whether it's the true ghost stories of, uh, of Tucson or the true ghost mm-hmm. stories of Detroit, anywhere... What they mostly do is tell you the name of the haunted place and its history and maybe where it's located. And that's great. That's a history book. Mm-hmm. History books bored me. My two subjects in school I could never wrap around were history and science. <laughs> Give me everything else and I aced it. Well, I wanted to do a story. I wanted to do stories of people what happened to them in those places. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know what their unbelievable experience was in those places. And everyone came through with, like, oh, my God, stories. So when I was putting the book together, I remembered that in college I had one of those unbelievable stories. I don't know if I repressed it somehow through the years or just forgot it or just had no reason to bring it up, but sure enough, when I put together the book, I said, I have to do a few chapters. One was recent. Another one I had to leave out because it was, um, my, my wife said, no, you're not putting that in there. I don't want the kids to know about such and such. But the one that I put in happened in, in college. I call it, you know, the Pink Lady of New Haven. And I've um, asked people in this area in Connecticut, and I've Googled it, and, and I'm like one of the few who ever remembers this and had the same encounter that only a handful of other people have actually had. But anyway, so the book has just stories that make people go, wow. The fact that it's New Haven meant something to me because I grew up, I'm sorry, uh, two ghost stories in Connecticut. I grew up in New Haven. Uh, I was born in the Bronx, lived in the Bronx for 10 years, and then most of my life I lived in the New Haven area. And Connecticut is definitely also one of the most haunted states. So I thought the two criteria were, had to have something to do with Connecticut, and it had to be true. And mm-hmm. I didn't want someone to just, you know, write a, a scary story. I didn't want that. This is not, you know, a, a book of short stories. It's not fiction. I didn't want them to embellish their story to make it more scary. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just tell me a true story that happened. And it's just one after another that people are loving and i just like i do a lot of libraries and conventions for the beatles book i do a lot of libraries and conventions for the ghost stories book especially during halloween season Mm -hmm. and um i I read some chapters from the book and tell about my you know growing up loving monsters and the beatles and my, my story and um the book is doing really well all my books are on amazon but a lot of people who listen to podcasts and interviews and a lot of people you know who are fans, so to speak, might want to get autographed copies, and I'm really big on that. So um, there's websites for all the books. The the Beatles book is www.bookoftop10. It's the number 10, not T-E-N. Bookoftop10beatleslists.com, all plural Beatles lists. And the one for the true ghost stories of Connecticut is www.paranormalconnecticut.com. Dot com. And that's 
if you want to get an autographed copy. If not, mm-hmm. just get it on Amazon. Uh, don't pay the shipping, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's, um, how many how many books have you put out now? That's There's three. The first one was the top book of top ten horror lists, okay. which was done during COVID, and that was, uh, you know, that took a long, many years to compile, compile, never thinking I would ever do a book, but during COVID I had nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that gave me the itch. That gave me this second act or third act or twelfth act or whatever I'm up to. Um, and, and I love it. I want to put out, I literally want to put out a book a year. Um, we just finished, I just finished co-writing um, a book called not um, not just happy together, the turtles from A to Z, AM radio to Zappa, cool. which is the most comprehensive discography with interviews. I mean, if if you if you love the song Happy Together and you love the turtles, it's you're a, really going to want to get this book. It's funny you say that because I recorded that song from scratch. Uh, I, for a for a TV production company, and they've been shopping it to shows. That it's never been placed, but I'll have to send you a copy because it's incredible. I had oh, a keyboard player that. play on it who toured with the Turtles all the time, and I said, "Play, play!" An, there's no organ in that song, right? He goes, "No." I said, "Great, put one in there right here, just so everybody knows this isn't the record." Who's that, Andy Cam? Uh, actually, no, it was a gentleman by the name of Peter Zale, who was an East Coast guy, but he ended up out here. And so oh, wow. he was he toured with them for years back in the seventies and then he picks up their West he still I think picks up their West Coast states when they come out for the hippie fest yeah. and whatever. So Yeah, I, I always love the Turtles. You know, there's a handful of bands and this can open up a whole new can of worms and I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of this, but the Hall of Fame just doesn't love singles acts, bands right. that dominated AM radio and I will I, I, I just go crazy because the monkeys should be in there, the raiders should be in there, mm-hmm. and the turtles, and there's many more, but those three come to mind. And I'm hoping that the goal of this turtles book is to draw some attention to that, and hopefully they will get into Rock Ball of Fame. This is a band that recorded, you know, on this white whale label that they didn't have. They didn't have the Wrecking Crew come in and play all the. You know the instruments right. like like the Beach Boys and the Mamas and the Papas and all the bands did because the label couldn't afford sure. <laughs> to to put in you know studio musicians. So the Turtles themselves played on every song and and had all the hits and toured and it, it just the legacy they deserve to be in the Rock Hall of Fame. So that's my that's my goal with this book is cool. to further that campaign. And then I I wondered too because I saw you shared an email address with me that was Monkeys Convention. So are you um. Are you doing some stuff at Monkey's Conventions now? Uh, I don't know. I'm all over the place. I yes. You're just I've a been, big fan. I, You're just a big I've fan. Produ- I'm a fan, and I do stuff, yeah. I produced the first Monkey's uh, Convention in Connecticut in 1982, okay. and now this was in a time where, aside from Pete Best, no Beatle would ever go to a Beatles convention. No monkey would go to a Monkey's Convention. Wait, stop there. Peter Tork was our special guest. In cool. '82, wow. um, he was living in Greenwich Village, and we got him. And then I did shows in '87, and then I did a 2013, and it just always did monkey events because they were always my second favorite group, mm-hmm. and I loved them as they were friends of mine. I knew them mm-hmm. all personally. Um, the only one I wasn't close with was Mike Nesmith. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to tell you, I my next book is a monkeys book, mm-hmm. uh, and and hopefully that'll see the light of day because on weekends. 
as if I have so much time on my hands, right? There's actually there's actually something called Live 365, right. which is which carries, as you know, radio shows. Well, if you type in monkeys, there's a station that comes up called Monkey Mania Radio, and it's literally like the Beatles on Sirius. It's 24 seven. Monkeys, uh, and I'm on the weekends doing the Monkeys interview show. For two years now, I've interviewed every person who's had any connection with the Monkeys whatsoever. Wow. And it's, it's still going strong. So, yeah, that's my Monkeys, um, my Monkeys love. There was, a, I don't know if you, if you get a show in your area called, um, Collector's Call on MeTV. It's one of those streaming channels, MeTV. Right. Some, some of the, some of the carriers have and some don't. But anyway, they every week will interview, I don't know, a, a Batman collector, a Kiss collector, a pinball mm-hmm. machine collector. Well, they came to the Monkees, and they had a gal, you know, who runs a little Monkees museum in Connecticut, and they didn't know, you know, who's a monkey expert. And I was the host of the show. I came on with Lisa Welchel from Facts of Life, okay. who, I got, who I got to give me a top ten list for the Beatles book. And I was the monkeys expert who came on the air and uh, and talked all about what value monkeys things have and all that. So uh, I'm everywhere. That, you know? That's crazy. And then um, the one last thing while we still have a couple of minutes is, um, are you actually operating a physical haunted house? Okay, so I owned and operated Connecticut's largest indoor haunted house for many years. When COVID hit and I said, oh, I'm, I'm, there's nothing I can do, right. I, actually, I actually sold it to a company that owns haunted houses in different parts of America because I didn't have faith that I could open it and it be COVID-friendly, COVID-safe. Mm-hmm. I don't know what word we use, right. but I didn't think we could even open. So I actually sold it, and it's still going strong. It's still doing great. Cool. But my passion for being in the Halloween business was a little stronger than my sale was. <laughs> so when my non-compete ended, I, I've now managed and run something called the Haunted Trolley, <laughs> which oh, is cool. every every weekend in October, we've taken over this ancient trolley ride um, that's part of historical or whatever it is in Connecticut. And last year, we did uh, like a seance paranormal theatrical event, and this year it's a murder mystery. So I'm still in the Halloween business, but I'm not jumping out with chainsaws and yeah, masks yeah, still. and scaring people in their faces. Man, it just sounds great, though. It does sound great. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know what? I'm scanning back through my notes, and there's something I wanted you to tell me a little bit more about. And, and that was when you talk about doing the Beatle conventions uh, across yeah. the states, I mentioned that you had done one in Tokyo. Have you done a bunch outside of the states? And in particular, I want to hear about your experience in Tokyo. Yeah. So um, I, I'm associated with Beatle Week. And for many years, anyone who gets their flyer or goes on the website and wants to book their packages, it says, U.S. Representative Charles Rosenay, Liverpool Productions, Liverpool Tours, and all that. So I'm very closely associated with the, the Liverpool conventions. I, last year I did all the um, emceeing for bringing on bands. In the past I've done interviews there. Um, but I never produced any of the shows there. But back in the 80s, 
um, when people wanted to do conventions, as I mentioned, in different cities, they would reach out to me because I had the magazine Good Day Sunshine, and they thought, well, conventions are happening, you know, here, there, and why not bring it to my area? Well, there was one Japanese promoter who um, contacted me, and could I bring over some Beatle bands? And I brought over a band from America and a band from Liverpool, and it was actually Liverpool's uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tokyo's first ever Beatles convention. Wow. And it was pretty special because they already had a cavern club there. So they had, yeah. they had Beatle bands. They already, the Beatles played there. You know, they played the Budokan. Mm-hmm. So I'd been to um, Japan several times. And once was with this, um, this Beatles uh, convention. Another time I brought American vendors over. Uh, for a, for an international um, record convention, and also um, a, a bunch of things. But friends of mine have done shows in Japan, uh, in Canada, and the other event that I'm associated with the producer is a gentleman by the name of Rene Van Harlem. When I was publishing Good Day Sunshine, he was publishing Beatles Unlimited. It was in the Netherlands. Mm. And he's the first one in the world to ever do a Beatles convention. So, um, you know, he was getting guests like Pete Best and I don't know who else, uh, Jimmy Nickel, the mm-hmm. forgotten Beatle who toured, you know, with them yeah. uh, on a few dates when Ringo was ill. He's the only one who ever had him as a guest. So I'm associated with a lot of the producers of conventions in Italy and in the Netherlands and all these places because we're we're colleagues and friends, and we, you know, consult each other for guests and for bands and for ideas. But, um, yeah, I did, did a ton of places in the States, and Japan is the, one of the feathers in my cap because I went back and, and actually lived there for six months and went there with a few other bands. And it was a very special experience. That's very cool. Well, listen, Charles, we're, we are basically out of time. We've got just enough time for you to tell people how they can get a hold of you if they want to. What's the simplest way? The best ways are through the websites for the Beatles tour. It's liverpooltours.com. And you can join Otto and myself on next year's Magical History Tour during Beatle Week. I can't wait. Liverpooltours.com is for that one. For the Dracula tours, it's so simple. Dractours.com. D-R-A-C-T-O-U-R-S. For the books, the best way to go is um, the cheapest way, of course, is Amazon. But if you want to get a signed copy for the Beatles book, it's Book of Top Ten Beatles Lists dot com. For the uh, Paranormal True Ghost Stories of Connecticut, um, which it, you don't have to be from Connecticut, you just have to love reading great stories. Yeah. Uh, and that's www.paranormalconnecticut.com. dot Um, And those are all the best ways to reach me because on every one of those websites are my phone numbers and emails. Great. Sounds fantastic. All right, Charles, listen, man, I really appreciate appreciate you taking the time. It's been so much fun to hear your passion and uh, your story and everything you got going on. And I, I love being on. I, I Now I just can't wait to, to show you these amazing places in the I Liverpool. can't wait to go with you. I think it's <laughs> going to be a lot of fun. I really do. So, uh, listen, we're going to stay in touch, my friend. All right? Absolutely. All right. Thank enjoy the so rest much. of your evening, and I'll talk to you soon. Good night. Take care. And that was Charles Rosene here on the Auto D Show. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.